0: our mission is to help creatives grow their business, hone their marketing, and share their stories via outstanding content. Hello team, it's Fab here and welcome back to the Make an Impact show. Today, I'm going to introduce you to the amazing Marielle Whitman. And together, we're going to talk about starting a funded business during the pandemic with her venture, Cooler TV. Marielle is busy. And... Listen, I am a busy lady too, so I know what I'm talking about. This half-English, half-Mexican superwoman grew up as a citizen of the world and has lived in seven different countries and three U.S. states. Once she left her high-powered and high-stress corporate job behind, she started finding herself by achieving a long-term dream of becoming a yoga teacher. And that's where she started her first business, Mindful Sonder which is an holistic approach to well-being based on her coaching and her experience. However, she wanted to step up a notch. So all too aware of the high burnout rates and low pay among yoga teachers, Marielle set out to find ways to turn her passion into a business. And this resulted in the birth of Kula TV, which is what we're going to talk about together today. You know this episode is going to be a good one because we spent pretty much around Mm, let me think, 15, 20 minutes just going through their icebreaker questions. You could say that Marielle and I get along just like a house on fire, which, by the way, is a terrible analogy, so please, somebody, let's fix that. I really hope you're going to fall in love with Marielle just as much as I did, and I hope that you're going to find the grit and resilience that you need as well to get your dreams and make them come true. As always, I hope you're going to love this episode and I'll be back next week with a new episode of the show. Hello! Hi! You know what I realized, Marielle? Every single time I... I, Because I smile usually and I say hi and then I'm like, nobody's going to see me Nobody can see me. (laughs) For like five seconds on my own and they're like... (laughs) Are you there? <laughs> yeah.
1: Hello. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing good, thanks. I'm uh, happy. Happy it's the end of the week, but yeah, that, honestly, it's that it's that never-ending joke that it's kind of like Groundhog Day. I mean, things are opening up, so. Um, but every time I say, "I'm like, I'm so happy it's the weekend," I'm like, "It could be Monday. I just don't know anymore."
0: <laughs> I think that is yeah. very true. And actually, I literally posted the reel today, and they are recording um like about like friends when it's like okay yes yeah, saturday night a big nice saturday night he's like what's your plan <laughs> nothing
1: <laughs> yeah we we uh we have this little park in front of us and every time we take our dog out we'll bump into people and they're like oh anything exciting this weekend and i'm like what what do you mean <laughs> i'm very confused by the question
0: um <laughs> what yeah do, do these days to be honest we're gonna jump into it as well in a second but you were telling me that on top of just that. There's also the fact that you guys are really, really busy right now with like loads of next steps when it comes to cooler and, and the business and stuff. So I think that adds mm. to it because I also find that even when you take maybe a couple of days on the weekend to actually reset and slow down, I just find that I blink and it's gone and
1: I'm like, where did you go?
0: What did totally. you do?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just living for those moments right now, those little pockets of stillness. Yeah. I'm like, when people are like, what are you going to do? I'm like, hopefully nothing. <laughs> I'm like, if I'm lucky, nada. Um, but yeah, there you go. So I
0: obviously know you, but I'm just thinking, let's give the guys that are listening, let's give a lot of the listeners a bit of context. So are you ready to play with me? I've got three questions. I love it. Yeah. Question number one. Okay, Marion. What is the first job you had and what did you learn from it?
1: ha! Brilliant question. Um, This one might surprise you. I represented models. I was an agent at Ford Models, first in New York and then in LA. Uh, I did that for about five years. It was very much the Devil Wears Prada. I remember I started off getting an internship there and it was so surreal because I walked into the building and I meet this woman called Charlotte Wagster, And she looks at me and she's like, what's your name? And I'm like, my name's Marielle. And she's like, oh, like Marielle Hemingway. And I was like, yeah, I was named after Mariel Hemingway. Like, how funny. She's like, you'll never believe this, but I represent Marielle Hemingway and I'm going to be having lunch with her tomorrow. Do you want to come join me? So I got to go meet my namesake, which was very cool. But like, fast forward that whole experience uh, from an intern to becoming a junior booker, a junior agent, Katie Ford, uh, obviously former owner of Ford Models, cornered me in, I hope she never hears this, but like cornered me in a staircase and was like, if you wanna get a job at my company, uh, I want you to babysit my kids for two weeks in Shelter Island. Uh, And she looked at me and she's like, you can drive, right? And (laughs) I have to caveat by saying, I pretty much bought my driver's license in Mexico, no joke. And so I was like, yeah, I can totally drive, like no worries. Uh, And she had this monster escalade. I mean, anyways, long story short, it was just one of the craziest experiences of my life. But it taught me, it taught me a lot. You know, the world is full of very fancy things superficially. So, I mean, you look at the world of social media right now. Everyone wants that highlight reel. And I think my job back then, I mean, it was like supermodels. It was every major party. Uh, You'd get invited to everything and anything just so that models would be there. But it was incredibly shallow uh, and it was very lonely and I didn't know myself at all. And I would say that it, it really taught me that there was so much more to life than what you see on the surface. Uh, and I think that was a, a big, a big learning step for me to kind of know that I am more than the job that I do. I thought people wanted to be around me because what I did was so cool and it took a while to kind of come out of that.
0: I love that and again it sounds like they're coming to an age as well of of that journey you know what I mean and I think that's the beauty of those jobs as well the ones that definitely form you and make you almost look at some of the worlds within the world because they become their own like self microcosmoses and you realize actually that's maybe not what you want to be and when you want to belong and I love the fact that as you said you almost kind of had you reflect on the fact that maybe you you know you were feeling that you would define yourself from your job and people would be around you because of your job. And then when you detach yourself from that, it's like a rediscovery of who you are, which I think is really beautiful.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's such an important step for us to go through. Uh, And I mean, another thing just sort of short, I'll throw this in there, but you know, working with models uh, and actually working in the yoga world, there is a lot around body image. Uh, There's a lot of people struggling with eating disorders and um, I've had my own battles with food kind of growing up. And, and I remember working at Ford and people were like, it must mess with your head, right? To see these beautiful skinny women all the time. and And I have to say in a very weird way, it almost had a different, it had an opposite effect for me because you're almost behind the scenes and you get to see the airbrushing and how different things really are from picture to reality and also how insecure so many of those models were. I mean, their whole livelihood was based on their appearance and it, and it, it has deep impact. So yeah, there was, there was a lot in terms of personal development. It was also my age. I was very young at that time, but it it did teach me quite a lot in my own personal journey. Yeah. I mean, mean, that will be an episode in itself, but obviously there's no one going to talk about (laughs) that. I
0: love it. It's just like, you know, different worlds and then colliding, I think is fascinating. Now we're going to push forward probably a bit and go to the last six months so what is the best investment and it can be something if it's something a hundred pounds or less if not it can be anything else it can be another thing that you invested on time you know efforts that you made in the last six months so what is the best invest- investment
1: if it's something a hundred pounds or less that you made in the last six months see such a good question I'm going to go with this one. It was slightly over a hundred pounds, but let's put it in that range. A session with a life coach. Honestly, I am a life coach myself, but I have seen a therapist since I was in my twenties. I'm a big believer in talking to somebody, anybody, uh, ideally not somebody that 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 you're too close with. It's nice to have sort of an, an unbiased listener, but you know, for this has been a really hard year. It, I, it really doesn't matter how successful you've been. It really doesn't matter any of that. I think we've all found our own personal struggles in the past year and, and how much our lives have changed because of COVID, because of being in lockdown, et cetera. Um, add to that the fact that there is this feeling in the industry, I say the industry, I think this is, there's a feeling everywhere and it might be um, exacerbated by COVID, but that we need to do more, you know, because we can't be doing stuff externally. It's like, you better be doing something intern in your house, do your job, do this, do that, do the, do the other. And the, the word that I keep hearing from everyone is overwhelmed. There is just, I mean, it, it's an emotional weight because of of what's going on, but there's just this heaviness. And for me, I've gone through that in so many levels, personal, professional, everything. So the biggest investment will always be in looking after me. And 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 I would say I have an incredible coach. Um, I'm very grateful for her wisdom. I've even opened coaching up to my team. But it's something that I think it, it just so much of our lives comes down to perspective, to how we choose to see the circumstances that we're in. And when you're bogged down and you're in the thick of it, you don't want to see anything else. You you know, it's 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 not to detract from how bad things are, but there's always a perspective and there's always a way to come out. Or at least probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned is you always want to look at something that can cause you to take action when you feel like you are no longer in control, when you feel like you can't do anything and you're just miserable you really have to shift the perspective into something that will allow you to take action again. Cause otherwise life is out of your control. Um, you know, you, yeah.
0: I love that. And
1: I think a lot
0: of us have had the realization actually that even just being able to open up and talk to others, it can be what really helps us seeing things in a different way. And it's kind of funny that you mentioned about perspective because you know, there's one of those questions the cool people ask you again. I've been on some podcasts myself because of the book <laughs> coming out. So it was great. And I remember that some people asked me the cool question, like, what's your favorite quote? And I was like, oh, and I love quotes, by the way. So I was like, oh, because so many, I know that you're the same, actually. Remember, we talked about it. <laughs> I time.
1: remember this yeah.
0: too. <laughs> uh, and so I was thinking, I don't know what. And then one came up to me. I'm not sure if I mentioned that to you already, but it came up to me two weeks ago when somebody asked me. And my favorite quote ever, when I think about it, it kind of sticks in my head, is the very simple life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. And I love that you mentioned that obviously, you know, for some people it's still really bad and you shouldn't diminish that as in, well, you know, even if it's really bad, you can react to it positively because obviously that it's kind of like almost negating the fact that sometimes you are struggling and it's okay to also go through that struggle. But I think it just you know, if you extrapolate from what he actually says, it goes back to the point of perspective, I think. And it's like, really, a lot of life is perspective. And once you realize where you're at, I I think the realistic option is not to try and go from a one to a 10. But how can you go from a one to a three, or a one to a two,
1: and then keep on going
0: up. So I really love that you mentioned that, because I think it's a great type of investment, especially right now.
1: Yeah, I have, um, again, my coach is a big advocate for, she's very anti good vibes only. She's, you know, I think when we talk about perspective, it's, it's part and parcel with fully embracing what you're experiencing. I mean, again, it's not to diminish kind of the emotional side, but we can get very carried away with our emotions. And I think the important thing, no matter what anyone is going through, is that you can take a moment and try to learn. So that's where, where I find perspective to be so powerful. And when you talk about the 90%, you know, how you react to things is what can you learn from the situation that you're in to help you grow? You know, I think everything in life is an opportunity for us to learn and grow. Uh, If we're, if we're willing and able to stay aware and to stay conscious of the fact that, you know, this, this isn't the end of the road. We're always going to get knocked down. There's always going to be moments where we hit rock bottom, but rock bottom is a great place to to walk up from right like it's 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 a great place to rebuild to reassess to to yeah so I agree completely
0: and also I'm, I'm already loving your coach just because of that there's sort of like policy <laughs> of not good only good vibes and good vibes only and I think it's I mean you were mentioning this already especially when you mentioned like how especially in the industry there's been a lot of feeling of overwhelm as well as for everybody else and I think it's it's an understanding and I'm pretty sure we're going to tap into that. I have one more icebreaker question. You're the person yeah. that I'm spending more time on icebreaker question than anything ah! else. I'm loving this. I'm, <laughs> I'm digging this, but it's amazing. Um, I'll get to the last one. But I just wanted to say, I think it's a point that probably we're going to cover because of the fact that obviously what you do as from a personal level, as your personal brand, but also be cooler. A lot of it is obviously supporting the yoga teachers, the well-being, their highly spiritual side of things. And I think it's there's it been a big shift also in the way that people show up authentically. I'm doing inverted commas, yeah. and kind of how they position themselves and actually how we relate to that side of things. So don't worry, I'll come back to this one. I love it. <laughs> first, first, last question, last icebreaker question. You can tell that we already know each other anyway. Um, <laughs> this is quick wonder, hopefully. A trivia category that you'll be really good at and why? A trivia category that you can also create yourself.
1: I'm okay with that. Trivia category? Maybe musicals? I love musicals. I really do. Well, honestly, at this stage, it, it could be Disney films because my daughter, I, I mean, it, it could be Moana. Actually, anyone that knows me knows that my daughter watches Moana at least once a day. So... <laughs> a trivia on Moana I'd probably nail
0: (laughs) what a legend I mean I'm not among myself but a lot of people in the collective are uh obviously our members and the amount of times that like a member will come to us and just say to me if I hear Peppa Pig once again (laughs) I'm gonna snap
1: (laughs) I'm (laughs) so grateful that we're not there yet I'm like we haven't hit Peppa Pig yet but uh yeah I can imagine (laughs) kids man yeah they're
0: great <laughs> so we went we passed our lovely iceberg questions with flying colors I'm really excited now I'm gonna go back actually I'm just gonna explore this point because I think we're on something obviously there's probably gonna be an element also talking about the evolution of the brand especially with cool and everything that happened because it has been incredibly quick from an outside perspective yeah but also first I wanted to elaborate just a bit more on what are your thoughts when it comes to obviously the intersection of well-being yoga especially on that side and, and this side of well-being as well as you know the the authenticity what it is and the how can we really understand it and how can we present it and live it and embody it if that makes sense yeah like positive vibes only that i think a lot of us are finding is a narrative that doesn't fit us anymore yeah
1: Wow. Again, fantastic questions. Um, You know, I struggle with this a lot, both as a teacher, but also as the CEO of Kula. Here's the funny thing, especially as we look at the online world today. Pre COVID, there was a very strong divide between what you would call perhaps, I don't want to put terms to it, but what you would call maybe your legit teacher. You know, they've been training for a long time, they teach at studios, they, and there is a blurred division, but you're influencer. And an influencer, as we understand it today, is very anti-yogic, right? Because in our minds, it's all about popularity. It's all about that highlight reel. It's all about how many followers you have, which at its essence is, is a little bit anti-yogic. It's, you know, it's it's very ego-driven on a superficial level. What happened with COVID was that there was this whole paradigm shift online where no one was given a choice as to whether they were going to sell themselves in the way that we've had to, in the way that influencers quite often have to. And it's shifted perception as well uh, at how we look at things, but it's also blurred the line in terms of how do we keep yoga authentic? How do we keep the essence of yoga and not, I mean, it's already been massively westernized. And I don't know that that's necessarily a terrible thing, as long as there's respect for, for things like cultural appropriation, etc. But I do find that a few things happened with COVID. And this is what was very interesting and why I started Kula was teachers have notoriously been underrepresented, underpaid, undervalued. And I'm sure this goes across multiple fields, but in yoga in particular, it's very hard to make ends meet as a teacher. And part of that is that we are predominantly dependent on studios. Studios, unfortunately, underpay their teachers for whatever reason. Um, and they are also the gatekeepers of information. When you consider working with a studio, which I'm not anti-studio, by the way, I my second home is my studio. So I, I do want to be very clear on that. But something that was very difficult, or at least very enlightening over the last year for all teachers, was how important it was to have direct access to your community. So all of a sudden, COVID happens, you don't have studios as the middleman, students are coming to you. And now that they're coming to you, you have their email, you have the ability to nurture that relationship, be it through your newsletter, everyone's creating sort of on-demand communities where you can keep engaging them with content, et cetera. So a lot has changed in the industry a lot. And I would say that for me personally, I'm the kind of teacher that I love exploration. I love creativity. I worry a lot about, I should worry probably less about what other people think, but I do sometimes worry about how people view the kind of yoga that I teach. I mean, I even teach hit yoga, which, you know, does bastardize a little bit. It, I will say that I do bring the essence of yoga into anything that I teach. And maybe those classes shouldn't have the word yoga per se, but I've always been very drawn to the creative elements, to hybrids, Pilates, bar mixed with yoga and the philosophy and the deeper elements. Uh, And then looking at Kula, for me, it's incredibly important not to be another business that's just trying to commoditize yoga, that's just trying to make a quick buck off of it. I really built it because I felt that teachers needed the tools to become more business savvy. Um, I think we always looked at ourselves as independent contractors. So we didn't really look at ourselves as like business owners and what that means and how important data is and, and understanding our finances, et cetera, et cetera. So with Kula, it's not only about giving teachers the tools to run their business, but we wanna be conversation starters. So we host a Kula Circle. We were doing it weekly. Now that the summer's coming up, we're gonna take a little bit of a break, but we've had incredible speakers covering topics of inclusion, of diet culture in yoga, of injuries, music, PR. I mean, the full spectrum. And I think uh, hopefully we'll be doing things together uh, with those with those circles in the future. but it's been very important for me to make sure that as a business, we are a part of the difficult conversations that are the essence of yoga of really being not just service providers but industry leaders and and that's that's a big thing to put out there, but it's it's something that I hold myself accountable to and it also goes for the team that works at Kula, being able to, look after our mental health, which hasn't always been the case. It's very difficult with a startup, but making sure that employees aren't epically burnt out and that people are genuinely taking care of themselves. So really big question, but an important one. I think uh, one that we're all, I do believe it's part of the yoga journey though, right? For us to explore our responsibility to stay authentic to what, yoga means to us because I do believe and I'm I'm obviously sticking with yoga in particular but whatever it is that you do of just making sure that you do it from a place of truth I don't think you can go wrong there I love that and
0: you there's almost that reminder of that small yet yeah, massive it's kind of funny it's a small shift going from the teacher being the cheerleader of the studio and being you know, the supporter, you mentioned the contractor. So in that, that mentally, that's kind of what we look at them as. And then being able then to move from that to being the independent business owner that has that, that freedom almost and flexibility. But within that, it comes a lot of, of pressure and responsibility, which is almost assumed that you will have and I know that again so many members of the collective are actually yoga teachers funnily enough and um, I know that you know one of the reasons why they come to us exactly what you said because of that support in some of the areas of the business that they don't feel like they fully understand and they want to make sure that they can tailor it to them and it's good and and very powerful to know that they want to do that and even better they can have a platform where they can as you say um, host their classes alongside the stuff they do in the studio find a way to create something that is theirs and one more thing I want to mention on this note is that overall the creator community especially thanks to social media because even the platforms have been facilitating that so you are kind of almost one of the platforms in that realm that is yes. facilitating the creators what are kind of creator the expert creatives the creatives ones to actually take matters in their own hands and now that it's become so clear I think is has been really like um, a good shakeup to be like, okay, I know what my gifts are. I know where I need the help. Now I just need to find a way to kind of speak it up and being able to feel supported by the community around me, which I think it's
1: very refreshing
0: change needed as well.
1: It's a great change. And it's so interesting because when we first started building Kula, it was like the rise of passion economy. So that whole philosophy that, that you can empower people's passions and that you can make a living off of your passion um, and I think that's a wonderful thing. But what we tend to forget, and most people teach yoga because of the love of it, right? It, we, we really, it's a big shift to go from a stable, you know, full earning career to a yoga teacher. And I think what we fail to realize is how much work you are an entrepreneur, how much work goes into doing that as a business. So I think the tools that you help give these entrepreneurs are, are essential because you don't normally and i I do believe it's starting to change but when you go through a teacher training it the trainings aren't enough really i mean they give you a very basic foundation to teach but they don't really give you everything that you need to to one understand how much work it takes to get to where you want to go you have to put that work in i think so many people look at the any kind of creative and they're like, oh, that life looks good. Like, I'm going to go do that. And it's going to be easy. It's like, no, you hear some of these people and it takes years. So it's, it's something to keep in mind. It's a great reminder as well of,
0: you know, when you go through that training, which is fair enough still, I understand that you will have some expectations, but I did a personal training, like um, qualification a couple of years back. and obviously marketing is my background. That's what I've been doing for the past 10 years. So that's running a business. It's it's kind of what I know. Obviously, yeah. about the skill set was interesting, but I was like, the confidence that I have with talking to people. Again, PT is almost more one to one as well, the yoga, the confidence that I have in marketing myself. And I was like, whoo, it was still a good course. But as you said, even then, there wasn't that attention to actually try and help us with all the rest. And there is an argument that then you will learn so much when you are on the job. And I think that's great to develop the skill set that you have as a teacher. But what about, as you say, all the collateral stuff? Now, I'll tell you something fun though. And I want to ask you a question while I tell you this little anecdote. <laughs> I, my first ever course that I launched eight years ago when I went fully, fully uh, full-time myself was marketing for yoga teacher. So wow. was like, I was marketing for yoga teachers eight years ago. Nobody gave toffees about it because they were like, "Why do I need to do that?" Because I work for studios anyway. So I don't. Literally, no. It's not a criticism. It was just literally where I was. It was like, I was really early, so people could not really see why would they need to have that skill set. And I remember that a couple of people did join and they found it really useful. But it was really hard for me to get people over the fence. So on that note, but my question is also kind of how do you feel? now this has shifted when it comes to then you know the teachers understanding kind of where they want to position themselves when it comes to okay I now feel like I want to be a bit more independent I want to slightly get away from the studios let's say I want to join Kula and actually start putting some of my classes out there what do you think is one of the biggest obstacles when it comes to that because again I think that can be one of the problems you're like oh what should I do should I niche down should I think about, you know, because as you say, it's easy to look at what other people are doing and think maybe I should do that because you see the showreel that you mentioned earlier mm. as well. So I'm kind of wondering, you know, how do we kind of bridge that gap? You know, the people that are excited, but they still feel like, how do I get out
1: there and create something unique to myself? Oh, I mean, I'll, I'll give what happened to me. And this was obviously at a different stage of the industry, but when you're a new teacher in particular there is that excitement it's like oh my god i can't wait to teach but at the same time um there is this desire to please everyone i think it, it you we don't have a lot of clarity in terms of our intention within our classes and our intention within who we want to teach like who who is what you'd say now in marketing like your ideal client avatar it, these are things that you don't necessarily get taught and you get so swept up in this desire to please everyone that it just takes a while and i do believe that this is part of the process you need to find your voice you need to and the only way you're going to do that is by putting yourself out there so i tell people all the time on kula because. People look to Kula and I hope that this will be the home one day where we can bring students to new teachers, but we're a very young business. So we're not quite there yet. So a lot of teachers come onto the platform and they're like, but I still can't get students like how I'm trying, like what more can I do? And I think this is where marketing becomes essential, but this is also where I tell people if you teach a class and nobody shows up, record it, teach it anyways, that is practice and that is content, right? Right. So no matter what's happening, I I do believe that this whole shift online has has created new opportunity. Like people need to remember that before this happened, because a lot of teachers trained during COVID, right? But before this happened, if you trained outside, your best bet was to get on a cover list at a studio or to go rent space and hope that people would show up and that you're not out like 200 pounds because you just booked a space and nobody came. So at least this is a home where, you know, you can put yourself out there. Your ego is going to get bruised. I mean, as a new teacher, you can't expect to be that teacher that draws in 30 students. There is in any job, there is kind of like your dues to be paid, you know, and, and it's, it's your personal journey as a teacher. So it's finding your voice. It's finding your truth. It's finding your vibe, right? Not to be like your vibe attracts your tribe, but it is trying to understand what are you trying to impart? What is your niche? What do you like? Is it anatomy? Is it creativity? Is it philosophy? What style of yoga? It it takes time to iron that out and it will change. I mean, what I teach today is, is different to what I taught at the beginning is different to what I'll be teaching in five years, I'm sure. But I think it's important for people to understand that Yes, it's a passion, but it is still a job. And and we do need to get realistic about how we approach that job, but also try to understand as much as possible the marketing, the business side of things. Like, you know, people aren't going to come to you. You've really got to put yourself out there. And I think that's probably the hardest thing for yoga teachers right now is how much we need to sell ourselves because so many people are selling themselves right now. And it, it sounds... I always joke about this because I used to be a booker. My dad said it sounded like a hooker. Now I'm talking about selling myself. Uh, My dad's just not in line with what I do as a career. Um, But its I I would say, yeah, I I think it's it's a wonderful thing to be able to live off of your passion. It takes work. It takes drive. But it's 100% possible. Uh, Just try to educate yourself as much as you can and take advantage, you know, people don't show up you still got stuff to do and and all of it's valuable i love that you mentioned
0: ego in there and like, really kind of like it kind of triggered like tick it ticked off for me it was like yay because i do believe that that's exactly that is it you mentioned it too but i just want to reiterate this is really humbling whenever you're starting something new and obviously you started cool, like quite recently as well but obviously you've been doing all of the rest that you've done as a career as a yoga teacher and i think Obviously, we'll love to hear your opinion on this, but it is really humbling when you start something new. I'm in the process of starting something new as well as obviously creative impact to doing its thing. And I'm realizing how humbling it is. It's exciting. But at the same time, as you say, it's a great reminder that our ego says, you know, it's almost like flipping, again, flipping the script. It says, oh, I only had one person in class today. And I'm like, well, one person chose to be with you that day. And actually spend that time with you and I'm guilty of it myself by the way sometimes I look at the numbers and I feel oh is that enough and then I'm like then I need like a little bit of a slap in the face like oh yeah
1: <laughs> it's
0: 10 yeah it's if- more than nothing you know what I mean it's 10 people more than than you know nobody showing up is those ten yeah. people are spending time with you and I think it's it's really like a bit of a little lesson that
1: we have to learn for ourselves humility is the perfect word I mean y- y- I have to remind myself as well it's like If you can impact change in that one person, then what does it matter if 50 people were there and and nothing happened, right? Like it's, we do have to come back to our why. Why do we do what it is that we do? And when you talk about humility, um, you know, I've never been a CEO before. I've never had to raise for a company before. I have dealt with imposter syndrome. the extremes i mean i've been in tears i i've doubted myself i've wondered why am i the one that's doing this everything and and it really has been such a lesson in everybody starts somewhere right nobody knows what they're doing in something new from the get-go and you know it's not all always just easy and roses but there is immense learning from a personal standpoint too because i'm a people pleaser So to be a CEO where I want all my employees to be my friends, but then to also run the business and then to deal with imposter syndrome, it's been a steep learning curve. Um, And I've had to sit down and actually admit I am a god-awful CEO, Um, god-awful. Maybe it's improving. You know, there's a lot that I've done very well, but it is a learning curve. But you know what? The one thing I pride myself on is I might cry and I might feel embarrassed that I am just so bad. I show up every day. I show up every day and I I will show up, I will keep showing up until someone begs me to stop. Hopefully that's not the case. But, you know, I I think if we can bite that ego, you know, kind of when we're faced with, oh, I'm so embarrassed. People think I'm terrible. No one showed up to class. The fact that you keep showing up is what makes the difference. And one day you're gonna look back and be like, oh yeah, I remember those days when no one showed up and now it's like hundreds of people come to my classes and it's fine. We all have to go through that. And we all have to deal with that humility. Life is doing us a favor because otherwise we'd be floating somewhere not paying attention. It's very true. And I think it's, it's a very,
0: I wanna say like simple lesson but then again, it's, it's literally one of the few things that really keeps keeps you going. Then again, this comes from my perspective. I'm I'm never going to write a, an article or do a podcast about how to become a six-figure coach or whatever, because it's not who I am. But what I know is that even when times were tough, because as you said, you even mentioned, obviously that last year has been challenging for all of us in so many different ways. I was literally talking to my fiance the other day and you know, we all have wobbles. And he said to me, well, but what I advise that you never you don't stop you know something you know something is not working and instead of giving up instead of giving in instead of throwing the towel is a bit what you said you know I get frustrated or oh, how I do but then you know I try something else and I you know I never stop oh. trying and it means that at some point something will work and I think it's when you remember that because I think there's a this is again going almost beyond the level of yoga but in general when you're running a business there's a perspective that at some point will find the one thing that works and you will keep doing it and it will work for the rest of days but sorry to break it to you if you're listening it's not the case in six months what worked pandemic comes and then it all goes out of the window and i think that resilience which we talked about actually before see she's pointing the finger at me because she remembers that grit and you're gonna tell me that little grit mentioned that you did last time as well because it was excellent is really what what makes a difference and at the end of the day that is going to be much more valuable than any hack, strategy or framework that you have, because you never know when that's going to work and when it's not going to work.
1: Gosh, that word resilience. I mean, it is the epitome of the last year of of learning, you know, how do we stay curious? How do we stay honest? How do we make sure that these tough times don't define who we are? how do we stay connected to to our emotions, to what we're feeling? It teaches us to be empathetic, right? To be compassionate. Resilience and grit. I mean, it's just, grit is a really interesting one because uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of the book, Grit, super, super interesting. But it talks about how, you know, it has very little to do with your IQ or how talented you are, but more to do with that drive, that drive that tells you like, I need to do this. I'm going to fall. I'm going to fail, but I'm going to keep picking myself up. And I'm going to keep trying because I believe in my core that I'm able to do this, that I was meant to do this. This is my purpose. There's a beautiful quote for, for us who love quotes. Uh, I'm about to teach a creative sequencing course and I've got it in our, uh, in our little journal that I put together, but it's from William Shakespeare. And it says, the meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. And I just think if you know your gift, if you know that you have something that you want to share with the world, then you just go out there and do it. And don't let anyone stop you, especially not yourself.
0: See, I will drop the mic and just kind of like... <laughs> and roses. But I have to ask you the last question, but I'm going to close with this one. So this is the wisdom. And now we're going to go back into the last question, which is the hardest mm-hmm. of them all. Uh-oh. And I ask everyone. All right, Marielle, if you had, if you could, let's say, have brunch, brunch with anyone.
1: Uh, that this is the asked. easiest question. Oh. Bre- oh. Brené Brown, ask anyone who knows me. That woman, I mean, I will follow her to the ends of the world and anything that comes out of her mouth is like my jam. I have so much respect for her and everything that she does, everything around vulnerability, around vulnerability and everything and leadership in, in what we do. It's, oh God, she touches on everything that matters to me and everything I've been exploring personally from belonging to courage to, um, you know, embracing our vulnerability. I, yeah, she, hands down. Also, she's got such a cool personality. I'm sure I'd be laughing the whole time, but yeah, without doubt, not even a question.
0: I love it. Like I didn't even finish the question. That's (laughs) the the pause sometimes because it's so long for people to figure out. it's like, what should I
1: say? (laughs) Like, nope. Got it. Those that know me well would. I mean, I I can't go through a mentorship, a training, or even a class sometimes without mentioning Brené Brown. It's it's embarrassing, but I I just love her. So yeah, we'll put it out to the
0: universe now. So it has to happen. Yeah, exactly.
1: That's there we all. go. My dream.
0: If uh, people want to find out more about you and they want to connect with you and find out more about Kula, where
1: should they go? So I have a website, mindfulsonder.com. So professionally on the yoga side, it's, it's where I do my teaching, my uh, coaching. For Kula, you can contact me at marielle at kula.tv. We have an incredible team. We've got about five, six with me yoga teachers on the team. So a lot of, of wonderful people that really understand the struggles and, and what we're hoping to achieve in building this amazing product. So yeah, please do reach out and we, uh, we hope to show you more. Thank you so much for listening.
0: Don't forget to check our show notes for more juicy goodness about this episode. If you loved it, please take some time to give us five stars on iTunes. And make sure that you let us know your hahas and takeaways on Instagram at Co.
1: Also, you can find out more about us on our website at creativeimpact.group.